Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Say the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. I'm so happy to be here. I'm super excited to be with you guys, and when Kevin told me about this opportunity that with me coming out to intern with you guys that um, he wanted me to lead a sermon. And at first I was nervous, um, but then I just got to thinking, God's going to do some cool stuff with that. And uh, I just started leaning in and I'm excited to be here and excited to be a part of y'all's community for a little while. So the internship's going good for me at least. I don't know how it's going for Mitch, but I'm sure enjoying it. Um, Things are good. I'm still here. I, I really can't complain other than other than all that. Mitch is a pretty good cook, contrary to belief. He, he does pretty good. He does pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> no, anyway, I'm just so glad to be here and so excited to, to jump into this sermon that has something that is, God has been teaching me a lot. It's been definitely one of the biggest lessons I've had to learn in my life, um, and I'm just so excited to have the opportunity to get to share it, share it with you guys. So I want to jump in with a story. Um, so for the purpose, this is a fictional story, but it'll all make sense here in a little while. So there was a family of four, a husband, a wife, and their two kids. And two kids were, you know, in their 20s and had moved out and whatnot. And this family grew up backwoods, redneck, kind of disconnected from the world, kind of a, a little, little bit weird. And it's not about me and my family. So I just want to clear that out of the way. It's not about some friends of ours back home. So... Anyway, the kids had moved to the town, and they kind of gotten up with the times. You know, they knew what Facebook was. They could, they could work the World Wide Web, known as the Internet. Some of you guys were like, what's the World Wide Web? Right, can, he br- can he bring that up in church? So, but yeah, they had gone out and kind of learned the ways of the world, and they, they wanted to bring their dad kind of a little bit in more to culture just so he could, you know, get connected with what they had seen and learned and whatnot. And they were thinking, what can we get, Dad? that would bring him kind of into the 21st century. And the first thing was thought of, let's get him an iPhone. I'm like, no, we can't do that. Because I hear of so many old men saying, I can't read the font on this thing. I, I can't read that. They're like, we can't do that. I don't want to, oh, that's, that's a losing battle. So we can't do that. They thought, what, what can we do? Let's get him an iPad. That's bigger. He can read on that. He can turn the font up to like 100 where there's, you know, he's reading a text like T H E. He can read that. So, okay, let's get him an iPad. Let's, we're going we're, <laughs> to... Anyway, I'm sorry if this is hitting a little too close to home. I apologize. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm sorry. Just hang with me. Hang with me. So they give him an iPad and wrap it up for his birthday, and they give it to him for his birthday, and he opens it. He's like, holy smokes, what is this? I'm like, Dad, it's an iPad. And he's like, awesome. Thank you so, so much. He, super grateful for it, and life goes on. Two weeks later, the kids come over to their dad's house again. He's making supper. He's over there chopping up some onions, green peppers, making some fish tacos. Yeah. yeah. The kids walk through the kitchen, and they're like, mm, something ain't right. Something ain't right here. They keep watching their dad. He's just sitting over there, <laughs> cutting his onions. They notice he's cutting the onions and the peppers on the iPad. <laughs> they're not going to say anything. He's just sitting there cutting the onions on the iPad, using the iPad as a cutting board, which I've never done, so I don't know if it works or not. He's sitting there, cuts them up, scrapes them off in the skillet, walks over to the sink, turns on the water, washes the iPad off, (laughs) takes the iPad, puts it on the counter. Now, the kids are horrified 
And based on the atmosphere in the room, I would kind of say it's cringy. You guys agree with me? We're all like, what are you doing, man? You've got an iPad and you're using it as a cutting board. And that's kind of an absurd story, guys, but I think that's the way God sees us because he's given us a gift, this life. He's given us gifts. He's given us talents. He's given us a community. He's given us people in our lives. And when we're not using those to its full potential to glorify him and bring people closer to him, I feel like God feels the same way. I know he feels the same way about me when I'm not using my life and my gifts to glorify him. Just, man, you don't know what you've got in your hand. You're cutting peppers on the iPad. You're cutting peppers on the iPad. You're not using what I've given you to its full potential. And guys, I've got good news for you because that kind of took me to a place of, I was kind of depressed of like, well, shoot, I missed it. I messed it up. But the dad who was using his iPad as a cutting board, the great thing was that iPad, just because he was using it incorrectly, didn't lose its potential for what it could be. Apps didn't start deleting themselves. The battery didn't start not working. It didn't quit turning. It maybe quit turning off after he rinsed it off in water. But you get my point. The potential for what that iPad could be was still there. And that's, that's something that God told, showed me was like, Blake, even though you're not using your life to its full potential and not not doing what I've called you to, that doesn't mean that that potential to impact the world for him goes away. It doesn't mean. It doesn't, your, your, your wrong actions does not nullify the power of God in your life and through you to other people. And the great thing is, guys, is that 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful, just, and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So what do we do? What do we do when we've come to the conclusion that I'm not living my life to the full potential it could be? I'm not using my gifts to glorify God and build people up. I'm using it for selfish gain. I'm chasing after things that don't matter, material things, money, power, for my name to be glorified. It says right here in 1 John 1, 9, we go to God and we are honest. Father, I've messed up. I haven't been using what you've given me confess our sins and have repentance in our heart and it says right here he will forgive you of your sins and not only that he'll purify you from all unrighteousness so that's you know we know as kevin was talking a couple weeks ago about spiritual warfare in this world there's two sides there's god and then there's the devil and they are in constant war pushing back and forth and back and forth and guys every decision we make every action we do is going to affect one of those sides we are on one side whether or not I mean, you, we've all seen it. There's, you've, have you guys ever seen like two friends fighting, going back and forth? This one thinks they're right, you know. I think green's the best color. No, blue's the best. And they turn to their third friend like, what do you think? And the third friend's like, I'm just staying out of this. I'm just neutral. Guys, in this world, God and devil, there is no third party. There is no just coasting on through life. Not really living for the, not really living sinfully. Not really living for the devil. And not really living for God. We're just somewhere in between. That was a big lie that I had to debunk in my own life was there is no in-between. Mitch told me a quote that with God, you're either 100% in or you're 100% out. There's no in-between. There's no in-between. So I want to go into some ways of how living on each team, whether you're playing for the devil's team or playing for God's team, is going to affect our lives. The first way I want to look at that is we're going to look at some ways that living on the devil's team and God's team is going to affect us personally and inwardly. This is just going to be things that's just going to really kind of affect us. So guys, when we're living for the devil's team, and when I say the devil's team, I'm really meaning we are chasing things other than the Lord, whether that be material things, um, chasing after money, sex, 
You can, you can fill in the blank of what I'm talking there. Not living in God's best. Guys, the things that are going to flow out of that is going to be, one, depression, because you feel like you've missed out on something and you're a waste. I've kind of, kind of, I have not struggled with this as much as most people have, but it's a real thing. It's a real thing. When you're chasing things that in the end you think will fill that hole on the inside, and when you attain those things, whether it be money, a promotion, or whatever, you attain that thing and it doesn't fill that hole right here, there's a sense of depression of like, what am I missing? What is it? What's wrong with me? And along with that, it's going to build up feelings of anxiety. There's a fear and a weariness that comes from chasing things that do not matter, chasing things of this world. Um, I was talking with a friend a long time ago. He was reading through a, um, a C.S. Lewis book, and he was talking about how when we chase money and fame and all these things of this world, that there is a slight chance that we might actually attain those things. If I chase money and my sole purpose is to make more and more and more and more money, I may attain that. I may get that, yes, but I might miss out on good family relationships, relationships with other people. I may miss out. I may get that. If I'm worshiping money, I may get that, but I'm going to miss out on everything else. And that, many, that money and those material things are not going to fulfill us. And when we, when, when we find that, that it's not going to fulfill us, you just feel like, man, I, I thought I was going after what would make me happy, and it's not. What's going on? And this depression and anxiety just keeps going and going and going and going, just get caught in this loop. Guys, when we chase things that don't matter, we, we lose our sense of self-worth. You begin to feel that you have no worth. Don't really know why you're here. Don't really know what your purpose is. Are you just a hunk of bones and flesh just taking up oxygen? Feelings of anger. I know for me, this was a big deal for me. You begin to be, uh, see, I can't even read my own handwriting. This is great. You, may be, you begin to be mad at the world and yourself. Man, that guy just, that guy in Walmart that cut me off. If I could just have five minutes of his time. You begin to have that anger at yourself of, man, I keep, keep messing up keep falling short, you just keep beating yourself up over and over and over. And guys, the final thing I want to let you know on, and this is kind of a, um, a warning sign, those things that you are chasing to find your happiness, your worth, your identity in, it's not a matter of if they're going to let you down, it's a matter of when they're going to let you down. And when that happens, it will take you down with it. And it's, most of the time, it's a long fall. I know it was for me. I know it was for me in my own life. When I was not really living for God, just kind of doing what made me feel happy, and then it started not, feeling, making, not making me feel happy anymore. It was a long fall, and it was a hard fall. So on that depressing note, let's look at what's going to come, by the way, when we live for the Lord, chasing what He chases, chasing after Him, loving what He loves, obeying His commands. There's going to be a sense of joy. When you are doing what you were meant to do, you are fulfilling that purpose of why you were set on this earth, there is a joy. When you are part of something greater, bigger than yourself, there is a joy that is not affected by circumstances. And that, that, that is what God wants for each and every one of you, is a joy that's not affected by circumstances. There's a peace that follows, a peace that you know your true identity. And it's not, guys, your identity is not who you are, but it's whose you are. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. So that's like a commercial for what's about to come. So just hang with me. So if you're thinking about tuning off online, you've got to stay tuned to see what I'm talking about there. Something that's going to happen is you're going to know that God loves you and you are priceless to him. You are, he sent his one and only son to save you. And that's not to puff your chest up or anything like that, but it's to know that the God of the universe that blew the stars out of his nose loves you and sees you. 
And it's true that if you were the only person on this earth, he would still, send, he would still have sent Jesus, his son, to die on the cross to pay for your sins so you could, be, you could stand in the place and be his child. When you chase God, he will never let you down. He will never take you down. Things might not look great at the moment, but in the end, God will never let us down. The best example I know of this is found in Exodus 14, 15 through 31. I know we've all heard the, the story of the children of Israel being led out of Egypt. Um, I'll just kind of give you the Cliff Notes version. So basically, children of Israel, they're slaves in Egypt under Pharaoh, and God gives them the promise, hey, I'm, I'm bringing you out of Egypt. No more slavery. I'm taking you out. I'm bringing you out of this. And we know the ten plagues and whatnot happened, and Pharaoh's like, nope, not letting you go, not letting you go, not letting you go. And finally he says, fine, get out of Egypt. So they're leaving. And as they're leaving, Pharaoh changes his mind. He says, nope, nope, I'm not letting him go. I'm not letting him go. So he brings his army together, and they go out after him, and they're plotting to kill him. They're plotting to kill these guys. The children of Israel are going, going. They got Pharaoh on their heels, and they come to the Red Sea. There's mountains on the right. They can't go that way. Mountains on the left. They can't go that way. Pharaoh's behind them, so they sure enough can't go that way. And what stands in front of them is the Red Sea. Things did not look good for the children of Israel, I can tell you that. I wasn't there, but just from reading the book, it didn't look great. Gary. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, sorry, Gary. Oh, man. For those of you who didn't hear that, I'm not going to repeat it. So, But God gave the children of Israel the promise. I'm leading you out of Egypt. How? How, God? I have no idea how. We know what happens. God split the Red Sea right down the middle, and the children of Israel walked through on dry ground, throwing peace signs to the whales as they went. It didn't look good. It didn't look good, but that didn't, that didn't change anything to God. I gave you the promise. I'm, taking, I'm bringing you out of Egypt. Come hell or high water, you're getting out. So we've looked at some ways of how living for ourselves, how it affects us inwardly, and how living for God affects us inwardly. Now let's look at how that affects outwardly our relationships, people around us, how we relate to the world. So let's look at living on the devil's team. Guys, when we live on the devil's team and are selfish and chasing things that don't matter, your relationships are hollow and fake. When you're self-centered, you don't pour into your relationships and they end up shriveling and eventually dying. I know we've all been in talking to a person that you can just tell they're, yes, they're listening, but the only reason why they're listening is because just they want to talk and talk about how great they are and all this other stuff. How many of you guys enjoy talking to somebody like that just to show of hands? Yeah, nah, I don't like it either. I don't enjoy it either. Guys, when we're not living right and living on the devil's team, we cannot love others and we cannot be loved by others. When we're chasing that self-gratification and that's all we want is just take, 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 we really can't love people because we just see people as means to an end, means to get what we want. We really can't give love because we don't really know how to love. And because of that, we can't accept love from others. Another thing that's going to happen is when your purpose in life is you and your happiness, that's going to lead to dysfunctional relationships at best and broken ones at worst. It's just a matter of time. When two selfish people are in relationship, it's just a matter of time before there's a blow up and a parting of ways. And guys, this ultimately, living for self, is ultimately going to lead to isolation. I think we can see that, and, and especially my generation today, there's so much opportunity for connection, whether it be through social media or all these activities and things, and what do we, we see, a, we see a, um, why can't I think of that? a generation, there it is, that is just so isolated from themselves, so isolated from each other, so isolated from each other. And it's not that that opportunity for relationship isn't there, it's just that 
the knowledge of how to have good, meaningful relationships and really love people is not there. It's not there. So what happens when we're living on God's team? What's going to happen to our relationships and our uh, relation to the world? The great news is, is living, living for the Lord, your relationships are going to grow and are going to be strengthened. Your relationship with God is going to bring you closer to others and your relationships are going to be strengthened. I know we've all seen the kind of the marriage diagram of, you know, you've got the man here and the woman here and they've got their relationship, right? And then we've got God up here and the woman has her relationship with God and the man has his relationship with God. And as they move up to God, what ends up happening? They get closer together. That relationship is strengthened because there's something tighter, something holding them together that's so much stronger than their relationship with each other. Because I'll tell you right now, a man is going to let his wife down. And a wife is going to let the man down in some way or form. So if you're not married and that's what was holding you back, I hate to break it to you, but it's not going to be perfect. But that relationship they have with the Lord doesn't let either one of them down. And when they are pursuing that, it brings them closer together. And there is really, if they are both pursuing a relationship with God and obeying what the Lord says, there's, there's nothing on this earth that can break that relationship if those two are pursuing God and godliness. You're going to be able to give love and be loved. You are able to love others the way Christ loves us. Guys, we've got the perfect picture of perfect love that can be Jesus Christ. Read through the Gospels and see how that man loved people. We've got a picture of perfect love. And that picture of perfect love is not meant to condemn us in the ways that we are um, not loving well. Now, it's meant to convict us and push us to loving people better. But it's to give us that picture of showing us how to love others and also how to accept love, how to accept love. It's okay to accept love. You know, I think in today's culture, we've, we've got this notion that we have to have it all together and have all the things figured out, and we don't really need to take help from other people and don't really need to accept love because that's a sign of weakness. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength and community. To have those people around you that love you and want to pour into you. You're able to reach those around you. Guys, when we love and know how to love, we can see how people need to be loved. See how people need to be served. And that gives us the opportunity to pour into people and love them and make a difference and evangelize and, sh and point, point people to Christ, not by thumping them with a the Bible, but just showing them the love of Christ. And when they say, what's different? The way you're loving me, the way you're treating me, the way, you're, the way we interact is so different. What is it? In this, we'll be able to introduce them to Jesus and you're able to know God and make him known. That's ultimately our reason for being on this earth, guys, are those two things. It's to know God and to make him known to everyone we come in contact with. And that's, that, that, that comes in little things. That's not, every, that's not you're walking down the aisle at Walmart, and you pass this lady and her family, and you say, let me tell you about Jesus. I haven't tried that very much, but I don't think it works too great. But it's showing kindness, grace, mercy, living in that fruit of the Spirit that people, people notice that stuff, especially in the world that we live in, especially in the world that we live in. Guys, when we live on God's team, we're able to connect with people on a deeper level and grow them. When we're living selfishly and pursuing things that don't matter, it's all surface level, just ankle deep. But guys, when we, when we pursue God, that gives us the opportunity to build relationships that are deeper. Because not only are we in relationship with people on a physical level, we're in relationship with people on a soul level and a spiritual level. And those, that's where the roots of the tree are. That's where the roots of your trees are in your relationships. So I've used this word quite a bit through this whole sermon, uh, identity. That's kind of, for me, that's a churchy word, a word I hear a lot that we throw around in church, and it's just kind of a word that we kind of understand what it means, but not really. It's just 
like sanctification, restoration, you know, those kinds of words that we kind of know the meaning of, but not, not really. So guys, I want to dive into this because the biggest breakthrough for me in my life was finding out my identity, who I was, who I was. The way the world defines identity a lot of times, if I were to ask a bunch of people, who are you? One guy might answer, oh, I'm an electrician, or I'm an actor, or I'm a politician, or whatnot. A lot of times the world defines our identity by our actions, things we do. You know, I asked the guy and he said he was, a, who are you? He said he's an electrician. That automatically implies that he does electrical work, right? Well, I heard something, what was it? And doesn't sweep? Yeah, pretty much, yep, yep, that's pretty much, if that's the case, I must be an electrician then. <laughs> but guys, the problem with the tying our identity with what we do, if my identity is an electrician, what happens when an accident on the job comes and for some odd reason I'm unable to do electrical work for the rest of my life? What happens? What happens? My identity was just taken away from me like that. And now I don't know who I am. Now I look in the mirror and I don't know who, I, I don't know who I'm staring at because my identity was tied with what I do. And it doesn't matter how good of a life you live, how well you keep all God's commands, there are going to be times that we're going to fall. And we're not going to do what we're supposed to do. So guys, when our identity is tied up in what we do, we are going to let ourselves down. But I've got good news for you guys today because your identity is not who you are, it's whose you are. And I think we all know who, what I'm talking about there. I want to read a verse to you guys that we've all read over thousands and thousands of times in Christians. as Christians. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure we've probably all got it memorized. It's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I want you guys to stop and think about this for just a second. I want you to mentally think about that verse again, but rather than the world, I want you to put your name in there. For God so loved Blake Miller that he sent his one and only son to die, that Blake would not live in isolation, that Blake would not keep living with broken relationships, but that he could have eternal life as my child. Guys, that's your identity. That's your identity right there. You're a child of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. When Jesus came on this earth and died on the cross, he performed probably the greatest switcheroo in all of history. Because before Jesus came, we were dead in sin. And because of that sin, we were enemies of God. And here's Jesus, the only son of God. He came down to earth and said, I'm taking your sin. I'm taking your punishment. And I'm switching places with you. Jesus became sin and took the punishment of sin. So that way he took our place so we could stand in his place. When God looks at you, he does not see your sin. He does not see your mess ups. He sees the effects that they have on your life and your relationship with him because there are effects, there are consequences, but he sees you, his child, and he loves you. He loves you. And I know sin's another churchy word that we throw out a lot. Guys, sin is anything contrary to the nature of God. It is anything that affects you negatively. It's anything that pulls you away from him. It, God's best for you, if this is God's best for you right here, sin is anything but that, anything but that. It might have temporary gratification, but it is, it's destruction. Sin is anything that takes you away from God. Guys, I heard a quote this last couple of weeks that pretty much sums this whole thing up. It is that God does not want a performance-based acceptance. He wants an acceptance-based performance. God does not want you to perform well and do all the right things and live the way you're supposed to, so that way, that way he'll let you into heaven. That way, when you get up to the gates and you can say, well, I did this, 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 and this, okay, you're good, go on in. Because if that were the case, guys, anything less 
anything less than perfection, the only way we could get in to heaven based on the fact of a performance-based acceptance is if we were to never sin one day of our life. And that is not possible. But what God says is he wants, I want an acceptance-based performance. I want you to know who you are, how I see you, how I feel about you, and what I've done for you. And that, that knowing, knowing of whose you are and that nothing can change that, then that spurs you on. That spurs you on to good works. That spurs you on to do what God has called you to do. It's not the other way around. It's not the other way around. What you do does not affect how God sees you. It may affect, it may, it may affect, sin has consequences, and I think we all can agree with that. I think we all can agree with that. If I were to go over there and kick that door, it, my toe's gonna hurt. That's just a consequence. Not really a punishment, but it's a consequence. So guys, in conclusion to all this, in conclusion to all of this, we've got two sides to choose from. One ultimately leads to destruction, separation, isolation, depression, anxiety, separation from others and God. And one side brings joy, peace, patience, strengthen of relationships, closeness to one another, closeness to God. It's an easy choice for me. It's an easy choice for me. So guys, in conclusion, I want you to know that your identity is not what you do, and it's not really even who you are, but it's whose you are. So guys, as we go back into our, our day-to-day lives, let's make sure that we're not using our iPad as a cutting board. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I thank you so, so much for every person gathered here today. Father, I pray that they would have a deeper understanding of just how much you love them, how you see them. Father, and the sacrifice you are and were willing to make for them. I pray that as we go out, Father, that we would have a peace knowing how you feel about us, Father, that when you look at us, you see your son, you see your daughter, you see your child. Father, I pray that as we go out into this week, I pray that we are blessed and we are a blessing. Father, I pray that we know God and make him known to the world around us. In Jesus' name I pray.